Perfectionism feels like this absolute state, this real desire for control and a lack of trust in how things unfold. At times, a lack of trust in oneself, also not giving other people the credit that they might deserve. Harsh criticism, black and white thinking, right versus wrong, either or, no room for the gray or nuance or subtlety, both and. Welcome to Love Liz, the podcast that's all about inspiring you to be yourself, find true love, and live your purpose. This is for all you seekers with deep desires who are struggling with your own self-worth and figuring out how to make your dreams come true. I'm your host, Liz Newcomer, actor turned Enneagram coach, human design practitioner, wife and mama. I believe that who you are is enough to create the life and love you desire. Listen to find out why. Welcome back to the Love Liz podcast. Today's episode is all about perfectionism. And it's really more of a meditation on perfectionism. This is a pattern that shows up a lot in my life, especially when it comes to things that I desire. And in some cases, I feel like I have more questions than answers. And so I wonder too, if you resonate with feelings of perfectionism. And if you have any connection with the Enneagram type one, whether that's the type that you lead with, or if that's a resource point for you, Enneagram type fours go to one in growth and also exhaustion. Type sevens go to one in stress and taking action. Type nines and type two have the one as their wing. And then the other types, three, five, six, and eight, can all be lookalike types with one. So no matter what your Enneagram type is, you likely resonate with aspects of this perfectionism. Perfectionism showed up a lot for me in my acting career. The way that I interpret perfection is really like an ideal. So there's this dreamy quality, this romanticizing what the desired outcome should look like and should be. I wonder if you feel this way. The times when you have a dream and it's so precious to you, it's almost like it's up in the clouds and it's so perfect as a concept that then there becomes this fear of actually moving toward it. Like maybe you'll be disappointed and maybe it won't live up to your expectations and maybe it won't be good enough. So then what's the point of making any effort toward it? And again, those are all just ways that we keep ourselves from taking those risks. I started acting at a young age and especially in high school, I had something that my parents or I dubbed the voice. And this is the voice that I would speak in with my characters. And it usually had this heightened sensibility. It didn't really sound like me. It was a version of me. It would be like this. Gallop apace, you fiery footed steeds towards Phoebus lodging. It was always higher pitched and it was like really sweet and sort of pretty sounding, (laughs) so embarrassing now, but I was so attached to that voice. It took years in speech and voice training and acting classes for me to finally let it go. But in my head, it's how I should sound. And there's the magical word should. 
perfectionism runs on should and then the discrepancy with what should be and how it should sound and how it should feel and how it should look with reality that's where the anger comes in that's where frustration and resistance enters so I used the voice in my acting career and then when I was in grad school my perfectionism was really at its height and the way that resource points work with the Enneagram And those are those lines that connect your type to another type. The type one is my growth point. Type one is where I can become more objective. Type fours tend to be very subjective, very self-involved. When fours go to one, they get that objectivity. They get that ability to see the forest for the trees. On the positive side, this is how fours can get up and outside of themselves beyond their own myopic point of view. But on the negative side, this is where fours can become self-critical, judgmental, self-righteous, annoyingly perfect. So back to when I was in grad school, my type one resource point reared her ugly little head. In some ways, it's because it it was such a growth experience for me. I was taking a lot of action. I was doing things well. I felt good about myself. I definitely had a self-righteous, black and white, right or wrong mentality. Acted like I was better than other people. One day before acting class, I was talking to my friend Molly about Beyonce lyrics and what they said in the song. We thought it said two different things. I was certain I was right. She was certain she was right. Class started. And then when we took a break, I went into the computer lounge, pulled up the Beyonce lyrics on the computer. Turned out I was right. (laughs) And I printed them out and I left them on her chair. So when she came back from break, she saw the printed out lyrics proving that I was correct. And never before or since have I ever seen Molly get this mad. She was like, you get a sick pleasure out of proving people wrong. I was like, whoa, yeah, maybe I went a little too far with that. Maybe it doesn't really matter what Beyonce said in her lyrics. So after my first two years of grad school, that's when I decided that I would start therapy because of these perfectionist tendencies. My first therapist was Marnina Reed, and she was absolutely incredible, a total lifesaver, inspired me more than she probably knows or realizes because a lot of what we did together in our work has informed how I work with my clients. And one of the biggest elements is creating the space to fully express how you're feeling. With perfectionism, there is such a contraction, a tightening, a holding on to, a clenching of the fists, of the jaw. It's almost like you're buried underground, like you're suffocating. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of wiggle room. And so she helped me create the space to allow some of these feelings to exist, to be. One question that I think is really helpful when you're holding on to an ideal is what do I need to let be? in order to let go. So when you're shooting yourself or other people, it's like, what do you need to let be? Even if it's just naming that desire for that standard to be met or naming that frustration that someone hasn't met your expectation, it's going to be some version of anger, some resentment, frustration, 
disappointment. So Marnina helped me a lot with some amazing tools for perfectionism. With any of our patterns, it's like a spiral corkscrew. We will cycle back to those same core patterns again and again throughout our life. I'm going through one period right now where my perfectionism is really (laughs) revisiting me, trying to take over and reassert itself. But where we see growth and change is how we respond to these patterns over and over again. So after I graduated from UCSD and I was in New York City pursuing a career as an actor and going out on auditions, I was still really bringing my perfect self to these auditions. I didn't want to be messy. I didn't want to be ugly. I wanted to do everything right. I wanted to be super prepared, memorized, on time, really nice in the room. I wanted to be unblemished. I think it's because I thought if I was absolutely perfect, then of course I would be cast in these plays and TV shows and films, and then I would become the famous actress that I wanted to be. But even though I was showing up so perfectly in my mind, I wasn't seeing any traction. I was barely getting callbacks. I wasn't booking roles. I wasn't at all seeing the success that I desired. And as an actor, you get very little feedback if any at all. So a lot of times you don't know what worked, what didn't work, what you should do differently. And I was still taking acting classes and I had a manager and I had an agent, but they wouldn't always get feedback either. So this one time I had an in with the casting director because they cast me in my first off-Broadway show. And so they had taken a chance on me once. They knew what I was capable of. And so I had an audition for them. I thought I did everything right. I didn't get a call back. I didn't hear anything. And so I reached out to the casting director, Will, and I said, hey, would you do me a favor and grab coffee with me and just give me some feedback? I'm spinning my wheels a little bit and I, I'd i love to hear what you thought. And thankfully he agreed. And I remember we walked down to Starbucks and I was like, what did I do wrong? And he looked at me and he was like, you didn't do anything wrong. You were perfect, but we don't want perfect. We want real. And it was like a sucker punch to my gut because I know that's what we all want. We want real. We want what is true because when we find real and we find truth, we feel seen, we feel accepted, we feel like we belong. The journey that I feel called to be on is one where I'm courageous enough to show my mess, to be perfectly imperfect to let go of my self-critic, to welcome all the parts of me home, including the ones that has really high standards and expectation. And I want to be able to communicate that with other people. But it's so hard because I still have a lot of subconscious beliefs around I must be perfect. I must have it all figured out. I must be ideal. I must get it right. I can't fail. I can't make a mistake. Does that relate to you? Do you feel that way sometimes? I just finished reading Jeanette McCurdy's I'm Glad My Mom Died. And there was a lot in that book that really resonated with me. But what it felt like is a lot of her life, she was maintaining this image of perfection or what was expected of her and trying to live up to that, all the while abandoning different aspects of herself and not being totally truthful and being totally real. 
and the toll that it took on her mental health and physical health and the relationships that she attracted because of those patterns and the lack of satisfaction and peace that she had, even though appearance wise, externally, she had a lot of success inside. She wasn't at peace. And so part of her journey has been really looking at some of those difficult emotions that come up. And so some of my questions for myself and that I would offer you is, why do you feel like you have to be perfect? What does that help you to control? What do you think you'll get out of being perfect? And what do you think you won't have if you're not perfect, if you make a mistake? It really feels like you won't have the keys to the kingdom if you're not perfect in some ways. Like what comes up for me is the desire for absolution, to be absolved of any sins and fully accepted. How can you fully accept yourself? That's really the only thing that needs to happen of when perfection has a hold on you. It's an invitation to accept the wholeness of who you are. I think the serenity prayer is so appropriate for perfectionism for type ones. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. One thing that you really can't change is that you're a human, that you are perfect within your imperfections. In human design, my conscious son is in 31, which is the leader, but it describes the way the leader makes its greatest impact is through humility. And so it's really hard to have humility if you're portraying this image of perfection. It's hard for people to resonate with you. And I know that, and it's still so hard to be vulnerable because there's so much shame in not being perfect. I had a real breakthrough in acting class. It was taught by my favorite teacher, Josh Pice. I was up on stage doing a monologue, and then he told me to do it as if I was a rock star like Patti Smith. And I did not want to do it. It felt in that moment like I had a Joan of Arc breastplate that just covered my chest and my belly and was protecting me. And I was like, no, I'm not relinquishing control. (laughs) I'm not letting you see my belly in the symbolic way of like showing your belly and showing your weaknesses and your vulnerability. It felt like this real intense pressure and this resistance to being seen like a fool, to messing up, to falling on my face, to being embarrassed. And I was looking out on all of the students and they were just looking at me and I knew they were like, okay, we're waiting. I had this awareness of not wanting that control to be the stronger part of me. The smaller voice, but the more true voice was let go, just go for it. It reminds me of the Anais Nin quote, and the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. And there in front of all of those people, I felt it would be more painful for me to not let go, for me to hold on to this image of perfection than it is to just go for it. And I made that decision and I just surrendered. And what was so beautiful is that I felt like I just expanded. I felt like I was a rock star. Like I had this sense of freedom and peace. And I really, at that point, I didn't care what anybody thought about me because I liberated myself. 
And that's all that mattered. I feel like I've just scratched the surface with perfectionism. And when I talk more about the type one, I'm sure I will have more to say then. But I hope this message resonated with you. I hope it encourages you to create the space for yourself to let whatever is be so that you can let go and so that you can find peace. And until next time, love, Liz. If you're ready to stop struggling and start living the life and love you desire, I invite you to check out my one-on-one coaching program. I'm taking on a few new private clients and I'd love to help you create a life that is authentic, aligned, and fulfilling. Visit my website, elizabethnewcomer.com today to book your free consultation. 